Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Time to rock and roll once again here on the Pilot's Advisor. Great to have you with us. Ryan Fleming here alongside Walter Storholt. No, strike that, reverse it. It's Walter Storholt here alongside Ryan Fleming. I'm trying to swap places with you, Ryan, see what it's like to be a pilot. You know. God, I wish I had that radio voice that you had. <laughs> and I wish I could fly a plane. Wouldn't it be cool if we could just switch lives for a day every once in a while? If, like, if it was like the movies and we could just, you know... Just, you know, like, yeah, I want to be a pilot for a day, see what that's like. And Well, they always talk about, you know, when you're flying airplanes, you have to have a good radio voice. So I'll fly the airplane, and then you just make the radio calls. Hey, there you go. We'd make a good team, absolutely. <laughs> that would be really fun. Everyone has uh, definitely said that to me before. They'd be like, oh, you'd be so cool as a pilot to get on the get on the mic and start talking to people in the back. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be probably that that annoying pilot that, like, talks too much, and everybody's in the back of the, in the cabin looking at each other like, is he going on a little uncomfortably long at this point? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, like it was funny for a little while, but now it's like we're gonna we're just gonna put our headphones on. <laughs> so I had such a cool experience uh, flying in the military. My my wife's active duty, so my kids were able to to space A on a flight, and so we were flying a C seventeen from Charleston down to uh, where were we going? I think it's Puerto Rico. We we're going down to Puerto Rico, and so I was able to have my kids up in the cockpit. And so I'm flying nice. the airplane, and both of my kids are sitting behind us with with uh, headphones on and, you know, hooked up to the hot mic. So they're not going out to the actual air traffic control. But my daughter was talking on the headset, and she really liked the way it sounded when she talked, you know, because she could hear herself talking. Yep. <laughs> and so she started talking nonstop. It was, it was hilarious, but it's, it's funny how... You know, people, once they get a microphone in front of them, which I'm sure you get to see all the time, how they just kind of change. Yeah, absolutely. They either change in, in one direction or the other. They you either become a chatty Cathy or they totally clam up and don't want to say anything. So the microphone does do interesting things to uh, to people's personalities, that's for sure. So uh, funny stuff. Uh, it, it, I know that you don't often have a whole lot of passengers in the back since you're normally flying, you know, packages all over the place, Ryan. But if you did more of the, uh, you know, commercial flights with uh, a plane full of people, would you have a particular personality, you think, on the microphone? I don't know if I would or not. I mean, I imagine you get used to it to where you'd have your own little spiel that you do. But I'm just thankful that I don't have to to make those announcements. Yeah. I do like it when the pilot is communicative. I like hearing that pilot sounds like, okay, they sound like... They're, they're, they're normal. They sound happy today. They sound like they're going to fly this plane really well. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a calming effect to hearing the pilot's voice, I think, versus the ones who just kind of, uh, and, and I'm not criticizing in any way. It's just, this is sort of like, you know, passing thoughts. You know, sometimes you get on the plane, it's like, hey, I'm your pilot today. I'm, uh, you know, my name's Bob. We'll get you there in a couple minutes. Thanks. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, having a little bit of personality, well, kind of you know, bringing you into the whole flight, telling you what the weather is yeah. and what's going on up there. No, I agree. It's I part think, of the experience. I think Southwest, yeah. Southwest kind of pushes that to, to let them have a personality and they give them a, a little bit more latitude than some of these other airlines for sure. 
Yeah, it's interesting the different philosophies though, because you got a lot of business travel who probably appreciates just the, you know, hey, we're gonna get you there on time. All right, sit back. We go here. Well, we go. You know that, and that's where you need to understand what time of day it is. I mean, these yeah. early six a.m. flights, just shut up and let everybody <laughs> sleep. <laughs> that's you know? right. It's gonna be a great day, folks. Because <laughs> because there's definitely those people that like to listen to themselves talk, and you're like, yeah. oh my god, just. Turn off the PA. Well, and then you're on the Hawaii trips, right? And they're like, you know, it's almost like a party atmosphere on some of those flights that I've been on before. You know, they're like, hey, everybody, we're all going to Hawaii. Of course, everybody's ha- no one's here on business. Like, <laughs> we're well, all going to have a I, re- good time. I remember, I don't know if you've ever done these. And I, gosh, I had to be like my early 20s, but they had some of those packages that were like spring break, spring break packages going to like Cancun or whatever. And so it was like chartered airlifts. So the whole airplane's like a huge party. And they have like all you can drink for certain seats and stuff. And it was kind of out of control. It's kind of funny. I've never been on one that wild. But um, I, 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 the, one of the Hawaii ones we went on, I will say, was the, the rowdiest flight I'd been on. It was just like, I think everybody was very excited for the trip. And the timing of the flight was such that not everybody was tired. So it was just like a loud trip. Like everybody was awake the whole time. There was lots oh, yeah, of excitement. You're going to Hawaii. And, yeah, there was energy and excitement in the air. That was so. I remember that one just being feeling very different because it had so much energy on the plane. Versus so. you're flying into Buffalo and there's five <laughs> feet of snow on the ground. <laughs> at, 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 at six a.m. and it's winter <laughs> and it's dark. You know, yeah, a little yeah. bit different feel on that plane. Interesting. Oh, uh, we had plane. a. We, we're doing a podcast, right? What were we supposed to? Yeah. Talk about today? Uh, what are we talking <laughs> about? Yeah. And of all these things, we're talking about crashes. That's what we do today's show. Not that kind of crash. Not. But, not Airline crashes, Not airline but crashes, market but crashes. Market okay. crashes, yes, absolutely. Uh, lessons from the Market Crash Hall of Fame. So uh, we thought it would be fun to go through history a little bit. So today's episode is part history lesson, part analysis of the history, and a little bit looking forward, the future, if you will. So what we want to do is look at some of the great market crashes throughout history, the Market Crash Hall of Fame, if you will, and see what lessons we can draw from these crashes And can it predict the next one, or at least what will happen in the next one, or how we should react to the next one? Those will be the kinds of questions we're asking at the tail end. So let's kind of walk through a couple of these different ones. We've pulled uh, five major crashes from throughout history to highlight and analyze on the show today, Ryan. The first one, I know you were alive for this one. This one just missed me. Uh, Back in October 29th of 1929, they call it the granddaddy of them all, Black Tuesday. What are your uh, personal memories of that day uh, tell you? Yeah, I was, I was a young boy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember, yeah, no, uh, yeah, so that was a long time ago, obviously, and was the Great Depression. So what would you have to say about that one, Walter? Put you on the spot. So that was uh, the one where the Dow fell 12% in one day, which pretty dramatic. And it ended that long period of, you know, exuberance in the market, right? The roaring 20s. And then, boom, we kind of come crashing down there in 1929. And uh, thankfully, we didn't have to live through this, Ryan. But the Great Depression was up next. And, boy, I know that a lot of people were worried that maybe we were headed into another depression and going to have some serious problems after, here's some foreshadowing, uh, 2008 and the coronavirus pandemic. So far, we haven't gone into depression territory, but that would not have been a fun time to uh, to be growing up and to be a, a young boy during that time. Well, and I think there's lessons to be learned from every single one of these that we're going to talk about. But I think the 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 crash in '29, what it really showed us is that there needed to be some sort of regulation in the market. 
and and out of that became came a lot of regulation and as time has gone on we've learned to you know to protect uh more and more things um just so that we don't have these crazy crashes all the time we have the swings in the market still but maybe at least the economic swings happen a little bit more slowly that gives people time to adjust to the the craziness that ha- then happens in the market so maybe that's been an improvement since the 1929 crash Have you ever wanted to learn more about the academic approach to investing and saving and planning for retirement that Ryan talks about here on The Pilot's Advisor? Well, if so, go visit pilotsadvisor.com, pilotsadvisor.com. You can watch a quick webinar on the academic approach to investing. It'll show you how not to speculate and gamble with your money. It's all based on Nobel Prize winning research. Only takes about 10 minutes to get through the video and watch it. Gonna be worth your time, I promise you. Go check it out right now, pilotsadvisor.com. It's a webinar that covers that academic approach to investing, pilotsadvisor.com. All right, back to the show. Fast forwarding a little bit, we had the dot-com crash in April of 2000. That's when people were investing in what, like pets.com and all those kinds of things that you hear about. What what do we need to know about the dot-com crash to learn? Well, I think that when you talk about the dot-com crash, you know, not only is it one sector that people were, you know, make, they're making a lot of money off it, but it just goes to show how how not being diversified can really, really kill you. And 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 also greed. I mean, I think right now we might kind of be in a little bit of a area that reminds me of of this time period because, you know, the U.S. large cap stocks have been doing so so well, and rather than taking the win and and you know selling what's high and buying what's low. Uh, investors right now are just putting more and more and more on these tech stocks and more and more and more on all you know Tesla and Apple and everything else and and I think GE would te- you know show you that nobody's beyond having a, a huge fall in their stock market or their stock price. No tree grows to the sky, uh, and that's a great point. You know, will a day of reckoning for some of these companies come one day and? If we're too over-leveraged in some of those things, is that going to cause a problem? I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, the dot-com crash certainly was a big one. And then it didn't take us very long to get to September eleventh, two 2001, after the dot-com crash. And in particular, we'll highlight September 17th. And that was the first day of trading after the attacks of September eleventh, And it was the third largest single-day decline in history. Now, the lessons from the 2001 crash, Ryan, as I'm sure you're going to tell us, aren't all actually bad, right? Like, a lot of these were talking about how bad the crash was, and yeah, September 17th was a bad day, but I think the story of the 2001 crash is the fact that it was a pretty quick recovery in most ways, shapes, and forms, right? Well, every single one of these crashes, it's different, and we're never going to survive, and the country's going to, you know, fail, and every, you know, everybody's going to die. I mean, it's always the sky's falling. But for all of these crashes, you know what? We're going to recover. It's going to it's going to come back. And I always try to tell people that on average, on average, every single crash, it recovers in under 117 days. So while you're going through it, the pain is is horrible and it really really hurts. But think about it: 117 days. Now I'm not very good at public math, but what is that like? Three to four months? Yeah, that sounds about right. And it's no different. Like even look at uh, 2020 this year at the pandemic. I mean, the market, you know, went down over 30%. But look how quickly it recovered. Look at where we're at right now. So 
I always try to talk to my clients, and you know, this is where the emotion comes into it, but I always try to talk to them about, I don't know where the next 20% is going to go. I don't know if that's up. I don't know if that's down. But I know that the next 100% is going to be up, and the reason why I know that is because it always is. And even looking at all these crashes, it always holds true. There's always a brighter day ahead. Now, that was tough to see in 2008 what, during what the financial— What did they say, Walter? The, the, oh, the sun will come out tomorrow? Yeah, the sun will come out tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, we, I was hoping you'd start singing. No, nah, okay. neither, neither of us is going to break into song on that one. <laughs> I you, definitely you, can't. You'd have to pick a different song for me to start breaking into song than that one. So, Wh- good, what song would that be? Good try. I don't know, but we'll, we'll know when it happens. <laughs> we'll do it on a, the next episode. We'll, Walter will be singing for us. You, you can keep throwing out different songs. We'll see if one strikes a chord, so to speak. <laughs> now, I will say 2008 was a lot different than the 2001 crisis because— we rallied in 2001 to come back as a country and pull together sign of unity markets improved before too long and even though there was uncertainty in sort of our daily lives with that threat of terrorism at least the financials kind of got their act back together but 2008 was was pretty prolonged at least it felt that way living through it i graduated college in 2009 and it just seemed like we were still stuck in that economic despair of 2008 in terms of job prospects and the recovery was just kind of a much longer, slower, painful one. What, what's to be learned about the 08 crisis? I know that obviously, you know, real estate played a really big role in that one, which is a little bit different from some of these other crashes. Yeah. Well, when I think about that one, I think about too big to fail. I mean, that's the thing I think about with that crash. And, and the other thing I think about is, you know, when you look at September 11th, you look at 2008, it's like, or actually, I'd say more of 2000, uh, September 11th, 2001, and then also the, the pandemic is just how unpredictable these crashes are. Whereas 2008, you know, there was, we, we, there, I remember people getting, you know, buying a property that didn't even have money to pay for the mortgage. I mean, looking back on it, I can remember how crazy things were. And so, yeah, maybe we should have seen that coming. I don't know. But 2008, I can tell you scared enough people out of the market that many, many pilot investors didn't get back into the market. I can't tell you how many people I had to coax back into the market in 2012 that had already missed out on huge gains, but they were burned so bad from 2008 and that, you know, that emotion takes over to where you can't trust the market anymore. And it comes back to, you know, you have to play by the rules. You need to be diversified. You need to invest for the long term. But uh, yeah, 2008 had a had a bit of big effect on investors. You take anybody's life savings and you cut it in half in a matter of uh, you know a couple of days or weeks, and it, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody whose emotions haven't been you know broiled and roiled and turned upside down at that point and trying to make wise decisions. And that's why good financial counseling and guidance is really important during those kinds of moments. So that when you're uh, you're the frog that's been dropped dropped to the pot of boiling water, you can hop back out quickly and you know not not kind of sit in there to simmer and get in trouble and then change your mind on on your approach and how you do things. So important, and I think we saw that certainly this past year in the 2020 coronavirus pandemic that in all ways, shapes, and forms kind of is still going on, but we've certainly seen at least the economic recovery or the stock market recovery bounce back nicely, you know, since that initial crash. Right now worries me for a lot of investors because so many people are putting their money in U.S. large cap and S and P, and you know I think I think there's the possibility that the U.S. stocks are way overvalued right now, 
And and once again, it's it's one of the rules. You need to be globally diversified, and you can't chase market returns. And I'm watching a lot of investors do that right now. And, I, and I'm I'm sad to say that you know if if you don't make prudent investment decisions, you're going to get hurt again because just like say the end of 2018, I mean overnight the S&P can fall 30, 40 percent. Well, hey there. We hope you're enjoying listening to the Pilot's Advisor today. Just wanted to take a quick moment from the show to remind you that if you have any questions ever about what Ryan talks about on the program, need any assistance with your financial planning, need some guidance to get to and through retirement, or whatever financial questions might be on your mind, don't ever hesitate to reach out. The simple way to get in touch with Ryan is to pick up the phone and call or text 843-475-3038. Again, that's 843-475-3038. You can also find Ryan online at FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. And as always, we put contact information to get in touch with Ryan in the description or the show notes section of the program. So just check it out on whatever app you're using, and it's easy to get in touch with Ryan. All right, now back to the show. Well, let's talk about the most important stock market crash, and that's the next one, Ryan. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to predict when it's going to happen. We know that that's a a fool's game trying to figure that out because one of the common threads you pointed out between a lot of these different, you know, uh, crises was the fact that they were unpredictable. What other common threads have you seen through these various market crashes and also lessons that you've learned personally as an advisor navigating folks through some of these crashes, especially this this past year? What kind of lessons will you take forward into the next crisis we hit? Well, it's it's always the same stuff. I mean, it, it, it's going to happen again. It's unpredictable. It is a norma, normal part of the market cycle. It's a great time to rebalance. It's a great time to focus on being a long-term investor. And it's also a time to not let emotions affect your decisions. Too many people the market goes down 30 or 40% and they think it's a time to do something and they want to sell out and they sell and lock in those losses, you know, pretty much for life. Cause you're, you're going to have a hard time catching up if you do that. So I just try to teach investors the rules and to not let their emotions take over. To sort of wrap up today's episode, Ryan, I'm wondering if you could maybe just take us inside of some of the conversations that you had, even if it's just one conversation that you had back in, you know, what March, April of 2020, what does that relationship really look like with an advisor when you're going through a moment like this? Because people who don't work with an advisor know what it was like to go through it alone. I'm just curious to know, can you take us inside the room or over the phone, maybe more likely, into what those conversations sounded like between you and your clients? And you know, where does your relationship really kick in with folks during moments of crisis like that? You know, the funny part about this one was I feel like I educated most of my clients prior to this ever happening that I didn't really have to field that many phone calls this year. I think people understood, you know, that, that this too shall pass. But I've had a lot more conversations since the recovery where, you know, I think people kept their wits about them or maybe they were too, you know, more worried about other things um, during the, the coronavirus. But now that the market has recovered, I'm starting to see a lot more people, they're wanting to get out of the market or stay safe because they've gotten their money back now and they're kind of scared. You know, they feel like, they dodged a bullet by the, the economy coming back so so quickly, and now they just want to not be exposed at all. Yeah, I will um, say as uh, quickly as the market came back this time around, that's not how we were thinking it was going to happen when everything first started diving down. I remember having conversations with a few people, and we were thinking, oh, 
this thing could go on for years. I mean, we, we, we could, it wasn't so much as we could never recover, but hey, you're, you're trying to retire in two years. And this, it, it may take longer than that to have the market bounce back. You may have to push back your retirement. I mean, those conversations were being had with people who hadn't done great planning to begin with and didn't have that plan to then kind of support their mentality and their thinking. And it, I know it was a very uncomfortable position for a lot of folks to be in. Yeah, and it's uh, it's unfortunate too because I think a lot of people got into the market. You know, it presented some opportunities while it was down, and if you couldn't pick a stock that's going to make thirty percent this year, then you know you're barely you you must not be alive. This was but one it, of those years where the monkeys could throw the dart at the at the stock well, board and pick absolutely, a winner, right? but it's but it's teaching bad lessons. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of investors are going, oh, this is easy. I can do this, and. And I, I think, you know, once again, if you're not diversified and, and you're sitting here stock picking and trying to time the market, you're going to get burned and it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt like 2008. Past performance is not indicative of future results, right? Isn't that where they get that yeah, saying from? Absolutely. So just because you've had a few winners in a largely good year since the initial crash doesn't mean that it's going to bode that same way. Even without future crashes, you can still get yourself in trouble by not having the proper diversification and proper plan in place. We've heard the stories all before. so Yeah, and I've, and I've put out a lot of content on these crashes this year because it was such a big year for it. And, and it's all the same stuff. I mean, don't panic, rebalance, it too shall pass. And 100%, you have to be a long-term investor because a normal market cycle, you're going to have down periods, and that's just a part of the process. We and need so the repetition, that, though, Ryan. We need the repetition because— <laughs> Beat it into them, right? You know it's not going to take long before we start forgetting those lessons, right? It, 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 that's so true. That's so, so true. And, you know, these are—as unfortunate as, as it is, if you look at these numbers that we've talked about, 2001, 2008, 2020— it seems like it's always every eight to 10 years that we have a big, big reminder of how the market works. So uh, 2028, we better be on the lookout. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something something around there we'll have to be uh, have to be thinking about. All right, very good. Hopefully that is uh, provides you with a little education on some of the past market crashes on today's show and gives you some food for thought on the next one. If you don't have a financial plan in place and you were kind of left holding the bag and trying to figure out what to do in 2020 with the uh, wildness of the market, that's a big difference from what I know Ryan's clients went through as he kind of outlined for us. I didn't even have to field very many calls. People were educated. They understood what was going on and what would happen later on and to not panic in those moments. And so if you would like that to be you next time around when the rest of the world is panicking and you've got a plan in place and a better strategy for how to handle those moments, reach out, give a call. Ryan can talk to you about what the planning process looks like in detail. 843-475-3038 is the number. Call or text to get in touch with Ryan there. 843-475-3038 and always online at FlemingFG.com. Check the show notes of today's show for links and uh, chance to get in touch with Ryan. Contact information all listed there. Ryan, thanks for the help on today's show once again. Have a uh, great rest of your week and we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Walter, as always, and you have a great day. You do as well. That's Ryan Fleming. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on The Pilots Advisor. 
You've been listening to The Pilot's Advisor, featuring Ryan Fleming, a financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving clients worldwide, but based out of Charleston, South Carolina. If you have any questions for Ryan on what we've talked about on today's show, maybe a future topic idea, or want to talk more about getting a complimentary review of your financial plan, here's the best ways to get in touch. You can go online to the website, FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. You can also email Ryan. It's simply Ryan at FlemingFG.com. Or you can call or text to get in touch. 843-475-3038 is the number. That's 843-475-3038. Thanks for listening to The Pilot's Advisor. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, in many more locations. So whatever app you like to use, search for the Pilots Advisor podcast today and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.